Welcome, my friends, to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode 48, and we're back. We are back. Took a little breather. Uh, we welcome the birth of our son. Mom and baby are both doing great. I appreciate everybody who has reached out. I love you all, people who've dropped off food, everything like that. Even just a little uh, Twitter message. Everybody's great, and I really appreciate it. Uh as I mentioned, this is episode 48, and I'm glad that we started with the positive because this episode is uh, the opposite of that. <laughs> I, I just can't help but laugh because it's just, man, it is miserable being a Philadelphia sports fan. Miserable. Misery. Everything about it. The Phillies absolutely blow it. The Sixers are about to start their season, but just try, trying to be positive there. Uh, the Birds are 6-1, and one, which is great, coming off a Sunday night football win against the Miami Dolphins. But I just want to have a quick little discussion, maybe vent session, if you can call it that, of what it's like to be a Philly sports fan. Now, over the last 10 months, we have witnessed the Sixers lose games 6 and 7 against the Boston Celtics to get eliminated in the second round. The Birds lose the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Phillies lose games 6-7, and blow a 2-0 lead against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, this isn't including the World Series last year, in which the Phillies lost. And I'm not a soccer guy, but the Union lost some penalty kicks in the championship there. Why? What is happening? Something eventually has to give, right? I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I am very grateful that the Birds won the Super Bowl. I think that, obviously, it's fantastic. People have waited a very extremely long time for that to happen. But I am legitimately starting to think that people truly sold their souls for it. Is this just Philly sports now? Like, uh, again, I'm I'm grateful to root for teams that at least make runs at it, right? I'd be lying, though, if I said that I hadn't thought what would be better. Rooting for teams that aren't even competitive, kind of like the process Sixers, or rooting for teams that are competitive but inevitably break your heart. Your your classic glass half empty, glass half full situation here. I don't know, but it's brutal. And last night with the Phillies was absolutely, absolutely terrible. And let's talk about it for a sec. It's been not 24 hours, but it's I, I had a night to sleep on it, and uh, I've got some. I still have some raw feelings about it all. The best way to describe it's just a collapse, period. I've heard it a couple times now, and I, I now that, again, I've slept, I can totally see it. The Diamondbacks this year were the Phillies last year. They play loose. There's no expectations. They're playing with house money. The Phillies this year, they were special, and it was expected, though. Again, because last year, it was like, ah, they're here. This is amazing. Then the expectations got put on them, and I think that's why it hurts more. You can look at a bunch of different things that happened in Game 7. Let's just look at the whole series. Nick Castellanos, how about him just forgetting how to hit the ball? After Game 1, vanished. Trey Turner and Bryce going over. Topper not pinch-hitting Rojas with bases loaded in the fourth inning. But he does pinch-hit him later in the game in the seventh. People want to talk about that uh, Trey Turner trying to lay down a bunt instead of giving him the green light. Look, I am the guy who wants to score by any means possible. If you can advance the runner to third and have them score on a sack fly in a game seven with the trip to the World Series on the line, you do it. You take that run however you possibly can. It doesn't matter. You do it. That bugs me. I don't care if it's Bryce Harper up to bat. You take the run. 
I'm sad, man. This year's team, this year's team was fun. Last year's team was fun. Looking at it just one day removed, not even a day removed, can they recapture that just fun mentality? Reese Hoskins, although he didn't play all year, he's a free agent. Aaron Nola, he's a free agent. This team will bring back its core, but it's going to be different. The celebrations, the dugout going crazy, the dancing on my own. Does that song officially get retired, by the way? Here's a better question. Would this team have won a ring if it was Robin's version of the song? These are the important questions that we need to ask ourselves. But what do they do at first base? Truly, do you bring back Reese and move Bryce back into right field? I am under the impression, and I think everybody would agree with me, in Bryce's first year at first base, he was leaps and bounds better defensively than Reese has ever been. I don't know. Is there a free agent pitcher that you can bring in to replace Nola? I'm just assuming another team's going to give him a bag and he'll be gone. But I don't know. This The team's going to be different. The vibes will be different. The expectations will be different. Fans will view the team different. They went from the lovable guys who shocked everybody just by being there to, the, oh, these guys are supposed to be here, and they didn't get it done. I feel really bad for Bryce. He's taking a lot of heat today. And look, of course, rightfully so, he deserves some heat. He's this team's Joel Embiid, and he failed to deliver when it mattered most in Game 7. I get that. But some of the takes that I've read and that I've heard are just insane. We're all Philly sports fans. We're all miserable. We all jumped to insane conclusions. We all voiced those insane opinions. But Bryce is the reason that that team even was there and had a chance. And a lot of what I've read, just it, it's not fair or justified. Now, the one that I have read a lot about, look, was Bryce showing up to Game 7 rocking a Sixers jersey a bad move? Probably. But I like the thought. Again, he showed up wearing a Pat Bev jersey. Pat Bev had showed him love on his podcast. This was him returning the favor. It's the new Sixers jersey. I like that idea. I like the thought. In my weird, twisted, superstitious mind, I thought maybe it would do some type of reverse the curse voodoo magic type thing. And I thought that it would exercise the demons. Again, Pat Bev being a new Sixer, he hasn't been in Philly for all this nightmare stuff. He's a dog, just like Bryce is a dog. I thought it was a good move. And it wasn't. <laughs> now we're stuck in this hell. Ah, brutal, absolutely brutal. So now it's the Diamondbacks and the Rangers in the World Series. I have a couple really close friends who are Rangers fans, uh, which again I was looking forward to a Phillies Rangers World Series so we could go uh, about it, have some bets with Andy and Ralph, but uh, no dice. So yes, I will be rooting for the Texas Rangers. In the World Series. Uh, I think they're awesome. I can't root for Arizona. They Every team who the Phillies end up playing a series with just bugs me. Uh, the Diamondbacks fans don't exist. So uh, ratings, I'm sure, will be at an all-time low for this World Series. Bet the MLB is pumped on that. Uh, but the Rangers also beat the Houston Astros um, in seven games. And I hate the Astros more than any other professional sports team on the planet. So the Rangers are getting my support. Go in the whole damn thing. Would love it. Now, speaking of Pat Beverly, I want to give a little Sixer season preview with the season starting tonight in Milwaukee. Just go through each player who's going to have actual role this season, and let's start with Pat Bev. Patrick Beverly, I've said it a thousand times, was made to play in Philadelphia. Honestly, his entire career. 
He got tossed for talking trash to Ben Simmons in a preseason game. He got on his podcast to say that he was sticking up for his teammate and the rookie because Ben Simmons was talking trash to him right out of the gate. I love Patrick Beverly. We know he's a leader. I think that he's going to step right into that leadership role again with this team. I'm excited to see him play, find his role. Where is he going to actually find minutes? We've got a lot of guards. We'll talk about Harden and that whole situation in a second. But with Jaden Springer, Maxie, Melton, like it's, it's, I'm curious how many minutes he's actually going to get. But I love Patrick Beverly. I cannot wait to see him just play in Philly and embrace the Philly crowd. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, Tobias Harris. I am very curious to see, if at all, if Toby's game changes or is impacted by Nick Nurse. I, it always kind of felt like Toby was lost in the shuffle with Doc Rivers, never really found his role, never really was used right. I want Toby to flourish. Obviously, we all do. We've wanted it the entire time he's been in Philly. I'm just curious to see if Nick Nurse actually uses him differently or what that looks like. Look, maybe Nick Nurse doesn't use him differently, and all of a sudden the ball starts flying around a little bit more. Toby's game just kind of gets a little bit more open and comfortable. I would love to see that. Would absolutely love to see that. Now let's talk about Tyrese Maxey. Maxey is who I think will make or break this Sixers team. I don't really think that's necessarily fair to him to put that all on him. But with the current status with James Harden and us not knowing what's going to happen, it's just the reality. It's the truth. Maxi made a leap last year. All Sixers fans were thrilled with it. Can he make another? That's the biggest question. Doc Rivers came on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast today, um, and he talked about Maxi. He said that, hey, I really believe Maxi is ready to make another leap. I think that he's ready to take on a bigger role, and I honestly think he is too. We've talked about it before. He's been working with Drew Hanlon, friend of the podcast this offseason, I can't wait to see how he steps up his game even more. I think we're going to see a more efficient, more aggressive Tyrese. And I think with Nick Nurse being open about how he's planning on using Embiid this season, it makes sense that the door's going to open for Maxi to step up his scoring even more. I think he's going to have an awesome matchup night one with Dame. Very curious to see what that looks like. But again, I love Tyrese, man. I, I think he's going to be fantastic. Let's talk about another guard. That's DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton, guard who I can see flourishing under Nick Nurse. He's in the last year of his deal, so I can see him having a great year, getting a lovely little payday. We've talked about it. Sixers will have money to spend this offseason. But this year, I expect big things from him and Maxie in that backcourt together. Just more terrific defense, more open shot making. I would love to see him finish better at the rim, especially off turnovers. But I'm a big Melton fan. Excited to see him fly all over the court this year. Uh, Mo Bamba, is he actually going to find minutes with this team? That's what I want to see. The dude really didn't look like he had a role this preseason. Obviously, he's still got some upside. I'm curious to see if he actually gets minutes off the bench at all. Now, we know this team's rotation is going to get kind of take shape a little bit early in the season, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him get minutes, get some run, get some good run, see how he plays. I would love to see some flashes from the young dude, and I can't wait to hear the song play at Wells Fargo Center. I can't wait. Mr. Three Rings, Danny Green. I love me some Danny Green. And truth be told, I think we were all shocked by what we saw from him this preseason. I think he actually will get good minutes off the bench. He looks like he still has some ball left in him. Yes, he has that old, lazy defense where he's smart, pokes the ball out from behind when dudes go by him. I can still see him doing that. He can still hit the long ball. I love Danny Green, man. Fantastic locker room guy. We know he loves Embiid. We know he loved his time with the Sixers. And we know he loved playing with Nick Nurse in Toronto. 
I'm excited to see what he's got this year. Jaden Springer. I think he has the most upside of anybody on the roster, especially under Nick Nurse. I am most curious to see what he looks like and where his minutes will actually come from. He showed all preseason and offseason that he deserves a role on this team, and I think Nick Nurse is going to give him that role and help him find it. I'm excited to see what he can do with it once he does. I just I literally have to constantly remind myself that the dude's only 21 years old. It feels like we drafted him back in the early 2000s, and he's been in Delaware since the Bush administration. The dude's 21. I think he's the perfect combo of a guard who can defend, he can score it, he's aggressive, gets to the bucket. I'm very excited to see what he looks like this year and what that role off the bench looks like. Again, talked about it with Pat Bev. I think Springer's going to get minutes as well. He will. He deserves it. Kelly Oubre Jr., Tsunami Poppy, Wavy Poppy, hilarious nicknames. But I love I love Kelly Oubre. We knew when we signed him out of nowhere that he was a scorer, but I've loved everything that I've seen from him this preseason. Seems to be bonding with his teammates. He had a post-game presser where he was praising Tyrese Maxey and how much he admires him and his attitude and playing with them. I've always wanted a shot maker coming off the bench for the Sixers. I wanted it for a long time, and I think he could, on paper, come in and fill that role perfectly. Again, with no James Harden, we're not going to be able to stagger Maxi and Harden minutes. So when Maxi's off the floor, I think that opens up shots and Kelly Oubre can step right in there and provide some scoring. I'm a fan. I think he plays a big role on this team. And similar to Melton, it's going to lead to a nice payday this offseason because he's obviously here on just a one-year deal. I think that's why he came to Philly in the first place. Daniel House Jr. I don't like how he was used with Doc. I like House. Older guy, he's 30 years old. I think he still has some upside. He can still shoot it. I want to see if he can recapture what he looked like in Utah just a couple seasons ago. I was shocked that Utah let him go. I want to see if he still got it. We got we to gotta talk about Ferk. Love Ferk, man. Bless that poor dude's heart. I will never forget his back-to-back career games. I miss it. I was at both of them. It was fantastic. I feel bad for the dude. Never really given a chance. He makes a trade request every single year, and the Sixers just seem to ignore it. I don't know. I don't know what his role looks like this year. I don't know if he's going to crack the rotation unless we actually absolutely have to have him crack that rotation. We know what he is. We know what he does. We love him for it, but I don't know where he fits in on this team. B-ball Paul Reed. Next to Jaden Springer, he's who I'm most excited about to see under Nick Nurse. We all know that he wasn't used properly with Doc Rivers. Hell, it took Doc like years to even play him. But I love that Nick Nurse has said that he's going to have him on the floor with Embiid at the same time. I love that Nick Nurse said he's going to encourage Paul to shoot the ball from outside. I can't wait to see how else Nick Nurse unlocks B-ball Paul. I think we're going to see a different version of him than what we've seen. I think we're going to see him play just as confident as ever. I think he should because he's playing under a coach who actually understands him. But I think he's going to be able to play under a coach who uses him in different ways, uses him to his strengths, and he just signed a big old deal. He got paid. He should be as confident as ever. Love me some b-ball, Paul. P.J. Tucker. Sixers fans hate P.J. Tucker, and I don't. I'm not here for the P.J. slander. I love P.J. Tucker. I love that he plays his role perfectly. Casual Sixers and basketball fans will box score and stat sheet watch. They'll see he attempted one shot, didn't have any points, he missed a corner three, automatically jumped to him, oh, he sucks, he's terrible. That's not P.J. Tucker's game. It never has been. I've talked about this so much. He's not a scorer. He doesn't pass on open threes. He'll shoot them. We just need him to hit them. In the playoffs last year, guess what? He actually did. 
He plays P.J. Tucker basketball. He's another dog. He's a great teammate. He will get in Embiid's face and scream at him to wake the hell up when Embiid needs it. I love P.J. Tucker, man. I'm not here for it. We got to talk about James Harden. This entire situation, the whole trade deal, let's let's start from the beginning. And that's the Clippers apparently being unwilling to add Terrence Mann to this trade. Now, the situation turned into the Sixers being the bad guys, because the, the, but in reality, the Clippers are being so unserious about this trade and about wanting to get something done. Daryl Moore is reportedly asking for a future first or two, a pick swap, some salary fillers, which are looking like Covington, Nicholas Batum, Morris Brother, and Terrence Mann. But the Clippers, hey, they think that's too much, which is absolutely insane. This deal legitimately could be done the second that they called back and were like, hey, all right, we'll include man. I like man. I do. But they are overvaluing that dude so much, especially considering he's like sixth or seventh off the bench for them. Here's Let me just break this down for you. Terrence Mann ranks among the Clippers since being drafted in 2019. Sixth in points, fourth in rebounds, fourth in assists, fifth in steals, fifth in free throws, second in games played. They use him. They use him well. I've seen him. He won a series single-handedly against the Utah Jazz. I like Terrence Mann, but they are overvaluing him like crazy. If the Clippers are serious about pushing all their chips in and trying to win it this year, why are they not doing this trade? I understand that obviously James Harden comes with baggage. I get that. He's, he's wanted out from every team he's gone to for the last couple years. I get it. But realistically, this is probably the last year of Paul George and Kawhi together that we see. Why would they not go in for James Harden? I don't know. Uh, again, those are great numbers for man, but come on. They clearly need a point guard more than they need Terrence Mann. But they're unserious. I love the, that Maury apparently got so bugged that he called the, the Clippers and was like, cool, you don't want to trade man? All right, then just trade Paul George. Again, I don't, I don't understand it. I want to read this quote, though, uh, from Daryl Morey because I think it's really important. He gave this the other day just about the lack of moves, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, quote, I understand the sense of wanting more. Boston and Milwaukee made trades that there's positive sentiment. I would say let's see it play out because last year we had a good offseason. I think we did a lot of good moves this year, but from perception-wise, last year was perceived as a very good offseason. Unfortunately, that still ended a disappointment, but it didn't change. Again, I think that's interesting. I I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with him, but at the same time, of course, as a Sixers fan, it's easy to sit back and be like, yo, Boston got way better. Milwaukee got way better. Like, we're just getting left behind, and now James Harden's holding out. And speaking of James Harden holding out, he apparently, this whole thing is just the worst. He was away from the team for like the last 10 days, but he shows up randomly the other day to travel with the team to Milwaukee. Sixers are like, nah, we're good. Told him to stay behind. Nick Nurse says, hey, we just need Harden to stay back in Camden. He needs to get back in shape, ramp up to game shape. Again, he just shows up ready to, to go when nobody's heard from him. Uh, uh, I just, this whole situation sucks. It's not the Ben Simmons situation, but it's still not a good one. So he's staying behind in Camden. Nick Nurse says and is adamant, everything's good. Don't worry, everything's good there. Sixers also signed Ricky Cancel, who they just waived, to a two-way spot again as something cooking up on the trade side. It might be, I don't know. But the James Harden deal, I'm not even going to entertain the thought of him playing. If he does, I think we'll all be shocked. Uh, But 
we'll see what goes from there. And last but not least is Joel Embiid. And I want to start it off with him and the Skechers <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> the season's already off to a hilarious start. Those shoes are terrible. Apparently, they're wanting 150 a pair, which is absolutely insane. You can get a pair of brand new Nikes for like 110 Who the hell does Skechers think they are? Especially when the only two guys who they've signed officially uh, are, what, Julius Randle and I can't even think of the other guy. Somebody else. Anyway, not great. Not great at all. I hope if Embiid does officially sign with them, I hope they pay him an outrageous amount of money. But let's talk about Embiid's game. I have loved everything that Nick Nurse has said and put out about this team, about how he is planning on using Joel Embiid. He's very open and honest and said, hey, he is not going to lead the league in scoring again, but he is going to be way more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. The ball is going to move a lot more. There's going to be more shots. Look, when you need a bucket down the stretch, of course you can still go to Embiid. That's not going to change, but I love that he's going to have more, a more defensive-minded focus this season. Embiid's got his MVP under his belt. He's talked about wanting to win Defensive Player of the Year uh, for forever. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the running for that this season. I can't wait. Absolutely love, 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 love the thought of Joel Embiid playing for a team that is coached by the coach who made his life a living hell in Toronto in Nick Nurse. I just hope everybody buys into what Nick Nurse is offering and selling. I truly believe that this team can still make noise with or without Harden if they all buy in. Look at what Toronto did the last few years that uh, Nurse coached them. No superstars. They had Fred Van Vliet and Siakam. And I like, our, I like our guys on our team more than those guys. And those teams were tough as hell to play. They were not fun to play against. I want to be that team. I want Philly to be that team. And finally not get outcoached. And I don't think we're going to. Which, man oh man, is a breath of fresh air. I'm excited. I'm excited for this season. I'm, I'm officially bought in. I'm officially all in and not over the Phillies depression because that never really goes away as a Philly sports fan. Uh, but I'm in and I'm excited for basketball season, especially the Sixers. Okay, friends, time out for a minute because I want to chat about Griffles Plasma and also about how plasma makes medicines and how every donation you give with Griffles Plasma, it can be used to make up to five different medicines. Now, while there are lots of different plasma medicines used to treat a lot of patients for life-threatening injuries and illnesses, the point is that each time you donate, your plasma can be used to help save lives. Each time, that is huge. Multiply that by the number of times you give plasma, yep, you got it, even more huge. Kind of like Allen Iverson leading the 2001 Sixers to the NBA Finals all by himself. So shout out Griffles Plasma and all their teams across the country. Plasma makes medicines, and a lot of people depend on these medicines. Donate plasma and receive compensation for your efforts today. You can find a center near you at grifflesplasma.com. Tell them Josh sent you. This advertisement is a paid promotion. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get some action on the NBA. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can also pick from Rivals, which pits two players against each other for a head-to-head matchup. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the code TBF24, that's TBF24, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. 
Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Are you a slave to the can? Why don't you grow up and maybe join CEDA, Can Energy Drinkers Anonymous. At Buffed Energy, our energy is literally too powerful for a can. It also includes ingredients that can't sit around in water for months, let alone a day. Our proprietary blend of organic mushrooms combined with nootropics and caffeine will give you the boost you love from energy drinks and the focus you desire when you ask your friends if you can get some Adderall from them. I literally drank one before setting my underdog fantasy lineup tonight for Monday Night Football, and guess who hit two pick'em slips? You're damn right. Go Birds. Buffed Energy, destroying energy drinks one can at a time. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Calling all golfers. Do you have a problem three-putting? If you said no, you were either in complete denial or you're just a straight-up liar. Jokes aside, and in all reality, who doesn't? It's inevitable. We're all three-putters. Well, let me introduce you to a new lifestyle brand for golf that is made for us. The Three-Putt Golf Company. Golf gear that meets the average golfer where they are, but looks like a professional brand. The first drop sold out in hours, but more are coming. Keep an eye out for the drop, discounts for That's Ball Folks listeners, giveaways, and more. Three-Putt Golf Company. Everybody three-putts look good doing it. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? Are you tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. Let's take a dive around the NBA. Again, NBA tipped off the other night while the Phillies game was on. It didn't totally have my attention or the attention that it it deserved. Uh, But I want to talk about it. And again, on Wednesday night as well. Lakers Nuggets, my biggest takeaway is that Nikola Jokic remains a freak. Uh, Ended with a triple-double again. He actually looked like he cared about basketball, uh, especially during the ring ceremony, which was pretty funny. Um, I don't know. Uh, Again, I'm still going to say this for forever. But his whole shtick of not caring about basketball, um, I think it's starting to get a little old and rubbing people the wrong way. But, 
again, he looked like he cared. And even if he doesn't care, uh, he's still really damn good at it. So he was great. I think Jamal Murray is going to be a, a all-star this year. And I'm excited to see that. And honestly, has LeBron hit the age? Has he officially hit this age where he's too old to lead a competitive team? I don't know. It was the Lakers' seventh straight opening loss. I don't think that means anything. It's a long season. I think the Lakers are still going to be a playoff team. I thought the roster constructed was funny to begin with. And the, yeah, they made a little bit and made a couple moves that make them a little bit better this year. But I still am not sold. I, I, st- I still don't think they're great. Anyway. That was that first game. Second game was the Suns and the Warriors. I went back again, rewatched these. Uh, my biggest takeaway that I think Adam Silver trying to crack down on the load management type of deal. I think it's funny that right out of the gate, Draymond Green's not playing and Bradley Beal, who played in the preseason, uh, he didn't play in game one as well. <laughs> it was still weird to see Chris Paul play in a Warriors uni. Um, again, it's it's week one. Not even week one. It's game one. Uh, But I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw from the Suns. I honestly liked what I saw from the Warriors. I think they're going to be just fine. Just about finding that rhythm and finding that groove, which they always seem to do. Other than that, I want to talk about some players that stood out to me on opening night, whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, Luca comes to mind. Dude remains a freak. Almost had a triple-double, hit the game-clenching three against the Spurs. And the Spurs, Wimby, we got to talk about him. Tough debut, foul trouble got him. It won't always be that way as he learns to play in the NBA. But I did love what I saw from him. He plays within himself. That's what I love the most. He is not a chucker. He can shoot the long ball as well at a very efficient clip, which I love. Big, big fan. Uh, But, yeah, again, Mavs take the cake there. Wimby will learn to play. Again, he's young. His first real actual NBA action was tonight, uh, or on Wednesday night, excuse me. Um, Also, I love the Kings, the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are the perfect example of a team that is playing in their prime right now, and every single player buys into their role and plays it well. We talked about it with hoping the Sixers buy in with Nick Nurse. The Kings are the perfect, uh, perfect example of that, and I love them. My biggest standouts, Zion Williamson. He's got his bounce back. It was so good to see him back on the floor doing what we are used to see him doing. He had 23-7 and seven against the Defensive Player of the Year favorite, Jaron Jackson Jr. He scored the, the Pelicans' final 12 points. Loved it. Made me very happy to see Zion back on the court doing his thing. Jason Tatum. I think Tatum will finish top three for MVP this year. Possibly might even win it. At 34 points, he took over late. Him and Porzingis are quite the duo. Drew Holiday struggled. Jalen Brown struggled. Again, it's game one, but... Tatum was huge. Shea Gilgis Alexander, SGA, and the Thunder are awesome. So awesome. Open things up with 31 points, 10 assists, 5 boards, and a win against the Bulls, who are already apparently having arguments in their locker room uh, postgame, which is fantastic. The two dudes who I think are the biggest pickups this offseason, and it's funny to say that one game into the season, but truly, we'll start with Max Struess. Going from Miami over to Cleveland, made his Cavs debut, went off. Hit seven threes, had 12 boards, 27 points. He's going to be a solid, solid piece for that Cavs team who are already good and were good last year, but it's going to make them even more dangerous again this season. And the next one is Kristaps Porzingis. We've talked about him before. What a Celtic debut for him. Back in his old home in New York City, did those poor Knicks fans real dirty. Dropped 30 points, eight boards, hit some clutch threes. I'm still curious to see what he looks like on the defensive side of the ball uh, when the Celtics match up against the center who is going to score. But I loved what I saw from him in in their uh, comeback win in the Garden. 
There's a little NBA around the world recap. How about that? Let's talk about the birds for a second. We have to. We talk about Philly sports and how rough it is. The birds are the only shining, shimmery, just golden child right now. And uh, they're 6-1, and one, as I mentioned, coming off of a win against the Miami Dolphins, who are red hot on Sunday Night Football. They debuted their Kelly Green uniforms. I want to make a petition to make those Kelly Greens their full-time uniforms. They're fantastic. Also, Julio Jones made his debut, which was fun to see. Uh, the Birds' defense stepped up big time. Huge. Jalen Hurts looked a little gimpy, and I think it was all because of that play in L.A. on their stupid turf. Uh, where he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit. I'm shocked nothing happened. It's a miracle that he has the strongest legs in the world. Um, but yeah, he looked a little gimpy. My favorite part of the game was that the birds went four for four on the tush push or brotherly shove. And that barstool guy, uh, Stephen Shea, I think is his name. Um, I tweeted it. We went back and forth a couple times. It's funny that I've got this little rivalry with him. Apparently, Frank the Tank's a Dolphins fan as well. I didn't know that. Uh, he now hates the tush push. Here's the deal. Nobody would hate it if their team could do it. If you had a quarterback who could squat 600 pounds and had an unbelievable offensive line, you'd be good at it too. You can't ban it because you're bad at it. Tyree Kill is faster than everybody else in the in the NFL. He's the fastest wide receiver. I hate it. We should put a speed limit on wide receivers. They can't run over a certain speed. It's the same exact thought, and it's the dumbest thought in the world. Get it out of here. And now there's going to be even more talk because Brock Purdy, they tried to do a quarterback sneak or their own version of the tush push, and he ended up getting lit up, and now he's in concussion protocol, and that's going to be the poster child for trying to get rid of this play, and it's all stupid. Again, if your team was good at it, you wouldn't hate it, period. Anyway, Birds got Washington this next week. I feel really good. We got to talk about A.J. Brown for a second. Somebody called him uh, Megajon, which I absolutely loved. Again, little play on Megatron. I thought that was really, really funny. But looking at his last, what, five games against the Buccaneers, he had 131 receiving yards against Washington at 175. The Rams, 127. The Jets, 131. And the Dolphins, just barely 137. My goodness. He is that dude. He is the man. And boy, oh boy, am I happy I have him on my fantasy team. Speaking of fantasy, here's a little update. I won this week. Thank goodness. Was It got a little scary. Again, I have Christian McCaffrey, and it was a question mark of whether he was going to play or not with that oblique injury. But he's a freak of nature, and of course he did play, and uh, I won. I, I played against my buddy Jay Ham, and he was, uh, but he played this perfectly. But he dropped a bunch of dudes who were on by on his bench and picked up a bunch of players who were playing on Monday night just in case McCaffrey didn't play, uh, which was a very savvy move. So hats off to you, Ham. Um, it did not work, however, and I did win, and I'm feeling good. This week, I'm officially doing it. I'm starting C.J. Stroud over Joe Burrow. I feel good about it. I feel actually really good about it. And how about uh, Dalton Kincaid? This is actually kind of sad. Dawson Knox, the other tight end for the Bills, uh, got banged up a little bit. But now Dalton Kincaid actually last week had Josh Allen looking for him, had a nice week, and uh, this week I think he's going to have another good week Thursday night while the Sixers are playing against Tampa Bay. So calling it now, I think Dalton Kincaid has a good game. Anyway, there's my little fantasy update. Uh, we got to talk about the Utes just for a second. They're unbelievable. They are unbelievable. 
What a win against USC. I think they broke USC. Lincoln Riley just vanishes. They're saying that he's sick, but when was the last time you heard of a coach who got sick and just missed multiple days of practice? I don't know. Very weird. Utes have Oregon at uh, home at Rice-Eccles Stadium coming up Saturday during the day, which pisses me off. Where are the night games? Where the hell are the night games? I don't want to go sit in the middle of a day and battle the sun, but that's what we got to do all season, I guess. Uh, college game day is going to be there. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hoot. Winning in Utah is a hard thing to do. I think they've won 18 straight games, like the third longest uh, winning streak, home winning streak in the country, which is awesome. So shout out my Utes. Uh, also, speaking of longest winning streaks, I think Michigan has number one, and Michigan is about to get screwed big time, and I'm here for it. They're in trouble with some scandal. They had an assistant coach who were traveling to other schools with other guys, and they were filming other teams' sidelines, reporting it and sending it back to Michigan so that they could study these plays. It's not new. It's not anything new that people are studying play calls and trying to catch up on their play calls. That happens all the time. But filming it is nuts. So I'm curious to see how the NCAA fumbles this punishment because the NCAA can't get anything right, and they're going to mess it up. Uh, I have to give Jer a shout-out. No brotherly love and hate. He had uh, his back surgery. It went well. He is sore, but he is chipper. I went and saw him the other day. He can't really move, but he has a nice incision on his back, and he's looking forward to uh, getting back to normal, so I'm happy for him. Anyway, had to give a little, a little update. Also, another little update, uh, Jack Hughes is the best hockey player on the planet Earth. He's unbelievable. Leading the NHL in points six games in. The Devils just need to pull their heads out in the first period and stop getting off to slow starts, and they'll be just fine. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Um, again, check out Buffed Energy. I plug it a lot, but their stuff is so good, and now everything's all set up. Please take a look. Click on my website. It gives you a direct link. I'll give you a little, it gives you a code for checkout. Just try it. Try it once. How about this? If you order it and you don't like it, you tell me and I will pay you back. Seriously, I really will. I'll do that. Check them out. You got to check them out. Again, love you all. It's so good to be back. Thank you for listening. It feels weird that the NBA season's here, but I'm actually extremely excited. Uh, I don't want to think about the Phillies anymore. So I'm going all in. Sixers, baby. I'm actually genuinely excited for the Sixers basketball, truly. I'm saying that now, but I really am excited. There's too much to be excited about with this team and uh, about Nick Nurse. Um, also, kind of fun. Uh, so my father-in-law lived in Philadelphia for two years um, when he was younger. And he has not been back to Philly for a Philly sports event since then. So for his birthday, uh, I am surprising him. I already told him, so he's not finding out through the podcast. But surprising him and my brother-in-law, and we are doing quite the Philly sports trip right after Thanksgiving. Going to a Devils hockey game on a Saturday night, Birds-Bills on Sunday, Sixers-Lakers Monday. So anybody listening, all my Philly people out there, if you're going to be at one of those games, please hit me up. I'll tweet about it the closer we get, but would love to meet you guys in person. I've, I've met a bunch of you. I have like genuine good friendships with people who I've met on Twitter uh, through this podcast and just through Twitter. So please hit me up again. would love to meet you in person. It'd be great. Again, I say this every single episode. I love you all. I love that I get to do this. I love that I have another season of covering Sixers basketball 
And I don't get to do that without an audience and you guys are the audience. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Uh, I'm going to give my typical Homer positive spin on it. Uh, so get ready for that. But again, I love you all. If you feel so inclined, leave a review. One star, five stars, doesn't matter to me. Check out my Utah Utes uh, video breakdown um, with the Utah Football Digest guys. Going to be doing another one there where basically it's just a big apology letter to Bryson Barnes because he's the effing man and the greatest pig farmer who I've ever heard of. So take a look at that. Uh, other than that, I hope you all have a great week. Let's go Sixers. Let's go Birds. Phillies. I, how dare you? And uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I got. That's all, folks. Yeah.